0: Contemplative Trucker, episode 23. This is a re-record episode. I'm recording from... I'm not sure where I am. I think I'm approaching Catch Creek. Anywhere. I'm, I'm somewhere towards the low, getting towards the lower end of British Columbia. On my way back from Alaska, where I successfully delivered... Farming supplies to Palmer, Alaska, and now I'm dr- driving back empty and I delivered Farming supplies 10 days ago And I'm still not back to the United States, so The struggle has been real to get back. The truck is doing fine we di- I did have a coffee issue, so um, We'll repost something I typed to the Contemplative Trucker Facebook page on my coffee issue, and uh, and if you would like to see some of the pictures I've taken, you can view my Instagram, bocraw is my name on Instagram, struggling a little bit, um, getting content to the Contemplative Trucker Facebook page, but as we move it'll be a continuous improvement thing so uh so i hope you all agree that uh as time goes things are slowly but surely improving um what are we doing today okay so i'm mentioning i'm re-recording this because the coffee shortage and i tried to record an episode during the blackout phase where i had no signal and i tried to record an episode and podcasting without coffee does not work, so I had to scrap it because I had mercy on all of you and wouldn't expect you to endure that. And here we are re-recording. So, what is on tap today? I'm gonna talk about the economy and re- recovering from COVID. It's for the United States versus Canada versus Yukon. It's affecting my business, and so I'm going to kind of give you my personal angle what I've personally seen uh, on that. I'm going to talk about man purses and gonna regale you with a story from my Yellowstone days 30 years ago mountain climbing. Uh, if you're listening on headphones, I suggest you get some q tips. Because you might want to clean all the testosterone that is going to leak out of your earbuds into, leak out of your uh, headphones into your ears after I regale you with the the tale of my manly Herculean adventure strength. So that should be interesting, I hope. Uh, Let's see. Let's right off the bat, let's talk about wildlife sightings. What I like to do when I drive to Alaska, keep count of the interesting critters I see. This trip I saw 20 black bears, 20. I saw three grizzly bears and eight moose. So that's pretty good, pretty good. I was able to photograph two of the three grizzly bears and I could have, if I had time, taking pictures of all three i got pictures of zero black bears they're just not that th- they're just skittish compared to the grizzly bears and actually there is a stretch where the black bears are more cooperative with the camera but in parts of british columbia towards the coast the the woods are so thick it, the vegetation is so lush it's a rainforest I mean it looks like a South American jungle it's hard to believe and you see them they stick their heads above the vegetation and they look so cute like you can go pet them like it's just a Labrador waiting for you to go pet him and but buddy you put that camera at them and they are gone so one of these days I'm gonna make it like a mission even if I literally do have to get a machete and go in and uh, and try to get some pictures of these cute brown bears. The cubs are so little. Both species of bears. It's interesting to see. The mama, the, you know, they don't have playpens and they don't have uh, car seats for their babies. Pretty much the deal is... They run around, the the kids run around and create trouble. And the mama is a constant nervous wreck and just tries to protect their kids from whatever trouble they get in. That is, that is the reason why when you read about these bear attacks, it's because the mamas are a nervous wreck. The kids just run around and get in trouble. That's what they do. It's kind of cute to see. But I mean, like the grizzly bear, if you stop the truck too close to a grizzly bear, they do that stand up on their back legs thing. And that's when I'm like, oof. Okay, let's give mama some space. Okay, so that's what's on tap today. Let's get after it. Once again, driving back to the lower 48, empty. By the way, there's a heat wave going on here. The high, where I am, is supposed to be 108 degrees Fahrenheit tomorrow or the day after. 108. I am in the Canadian Rockies. Like 90 degrees here is scorching. And it's only June and they are, are, this heat wave is supposed to hit them with 108 degree temperatures. That is, that is Las Vegas warm. When I left Las Vegas, it, remember, it was 108 degrees. I'm sure it's warmer than that now. But this is bizarre. Anyway so glad i'm headed back i mean gosh and but that kind of illustrates is not normally like this why i like to come up here so the american economy the united states economy is recovered it, it is it is in an historic recovery canada not really there yet the yukon even further behind that and so uh, why do I? So the solution. The solution should be well, Bo, just don't don't go up to Canada. But if you've ever camped, you know which living out of a truck is a lot like camping. And there are some nice trucks that have thermostats and have alter, uh, alternative power units. And my truck is not one of those trucks, and it's like camping. So if you've ever camped, you know that those nights that are in the 40s and 50s, that's prime camping weather. That's when you sleep good and it's enjoyable. And if you've ever tried camping when it's scorching hot, you know it's just miserable. I mean, as a kid, I remember camping and my parents were just like, we got to get these kids out of the house. And it was not necessarily fun to sleep outside with the bugs and the heat. Um, so, and also, the United States is crazy right now. I don't want to be in the United States. so there's less people. there's more land and less people up here. So I really want to keep coming to Alaska and to Canada but 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 here I am coming back empty and this and you know, this is killing me. I don't mind coming back empty every once in a while. But this is this is a lot of lost income after I just was financially screwed in Las Vegas. So anyway, this is on my brain. I wanted to talk about it just a little bit. So I've been to during the pandemic, I visited 40 something states and i've visited at least four provinces and the yukon territory of canada and so i've kind of seen how this has played out and of course it's in all places it's changed with time and as public policy has changed and it's it's just it's it's been constant change but I, would, I think my perspective is worth something since I have firsthand seen this during a period when a lot of people are sitting still. And I'm not going to dwell on it, but let me just say this. The United States COVID response was a complete and total shit show. It was a complete and total shit show. Canada, not so much. Canadians probably think that it's a shit show, but let me tell you something. It is a, you, Canada did a much better job than the United States. That's just the way it is. When, when they decided to slow the spread of the virus and for people to wear masks, people wore masks. When they decided to wipe down surface areas, they actually wipe down service areas. It it I it's kind of interesting. Why why was it less of a shit show? I mean, do Canadians read instructions better? Do Canadians respect authority more? Um it it's I I've kind of been thinking about it. I don't know. It might be the United States, our history, we had a revolution. So it might be we don't respect authority. I mean, that's kind of who we are is the Boston Tea Party and all that. And then if you think about, you know, vigilante justice and how the West was won, that's a big part of our history. And Canada, they never had a revolution and if you think about how their West was won, it was the Mounties always get their man. It was very organized and it, 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 it's, it might be just different cultures. It might be the United States is broken <laughs> Canada's not. I don't know. I can just tell you that when Canada decided to take impactful measures, they were successful. And it makes me wonder if they're going to struggle more with coming out of the lockdown. Cause I, cause, so this has been in my, on my brain because before I left, I read this article in the Wall Street Journal. It's called The Power of Natural Immunity. It was written by Marty McCary, who's a professor at John Hopkins School of Medicine. And the bottom line to the article is natural immunity is is an important factor with herd immunity and ending lockdowns. It's not all about the vaccine. Natural immunity is an important part. So the United States might be doing okay because we had a shit show. And... And, of course, I argued way back when that you, you don't want to lock down too much because if, no, if some people aren't building immunity, then you're making no progress. So I won't revisit that, but that's not like some, some un, unintended consequence. I mean, some countries, like Sweden, deliberately decided that there's a Goldilocks amount. You don't want it to spread too fast. But also, you don't want it to spread too slow. And I wonder if Canada is going to s- struggle because the natural immunity component isn't there um, or isn't there enough. So, so I'd say that Canada had a spike in May. And so, as I've been here, the restrictions are still going on. There's still masks. There's still signs up that say essential travel only. They even have checkpoints to check whether you're out for essential purposes. I, I feel like in the United States, again, we're more um, asked for forgiveness instead of permission. Like, well, my, taking my RV on vacation is essential. And in Canada, not so much. So they they are opening back up a little bit, but they had another spike. When you go in a restaurant, you sign your name in, and it's only family members at a table. And they actually, like like I witnessed in Hope, British Columbia, some Americans, like the, the, the hostess said, only six to a table. And they were like, yeah, right. Uh, okay, well, let's slide these tables together. And she's like, no, 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 no. Only six to a table. Like, they actually follow the rules in Canada. So, um, as a res- anyway, they've had a spike recently, and they're still in lockdown mode. And the freight rates reflect that, and it ain't good for me. It is not good for me at all. Upping it even further, if we're talking about effective lockdowns, um, there are First Nation communities, which are, I guess, the equivalent of an Indian reservation in the United States. I am I am sure I'm about to put my foot in my mouth and say something politically incorrect. But, uh, you know what, we're too sensitive about speaking the truth, so I'll do my best, but not going to apologize too much about reporting what I have personally witnessed. There are these First Nation communities, which are roughly the equivalent of Indian reservations in the United States, and the signs at the front of the communities will say, our town is closed. It's, they'll say, no gas here. Do not stop. So you're driving for hundreds of miles, and you come across this town. It's the first town you've seen you would love to grab something to eat and a cup of coffee, but you cannot stop the vehicle going through those communities. Um, I think that their experience with white people germs, like in the United States, um, Native Americans are. The, you've of course they've heard about smallpox and they had a horrible time with smallpox. Well, that happened a long time ago. Well. In Canada, it's much more recent history. I feel like tuberculosis and even smallpox, but tuberculosis is a big one, is a much more recent thing. So people my age, they may have heard stories growing up. You know, your older brother and your older sister died horrible deaths because of tuberculosis and and their white man's germ, essentially. So they did not play. Those communities did not play when they locked down they took it to the highest level and even trumping that is the yukon territory which is a territory maybe maybe f- 3 or f- 4 times the size of wisconsin it's a huge territory with only 40,000 people and for the longest time they only had 14 cases because when you traveled through that territory, they checked you. They had you sign a piece of paper that said you will drive straight through, be out of the territory in 24 hours. And even their neighbors in British Columbia were not allowed in the territory. So so that would be like if you're in Wisconsin and somebody from Illinois wants to drive up to check on their cabin there are officers at the border stopping them saying nope too bad you're not coming in here and they have been operating under that for 18 months or so so the Yukon only had 14 cases for the longest time now most people are vaccinated they only have 100 cases And yet, the lockdowns there are worse and the concern level is worse there than I've seen throughout this whole ordeal. And it kind of makes sense. Like, if you're sitting there watching fear porn for 18 months and, like, the United States, we've already been through it. So so the anxiety of having to wait and holding your breath it's already gone well they've been they their perspective is just what they've seen on the news and now it's here and it so it kind of makes sense that they would have a higher level of concern but i don't know that i understand if you have 40,000 people and 30 something thousand are vaccinated and you only have 100 cases that you should, that the panic button should be pushed. But it sort of is. That There's a high level of concern. And so having said all that, so these are things I've personally witnessed. And it's going to be interesting to see if countries and countries like these um, struggle opening back up because of, because of the natural immunity factor and because, because they've been taught to fear this thing. And they now that they've been vaccinated, it's, it's hard to psychologically just sort of like turn that switch off. So it'll be interesting to see. But I know this. Something's got to give or else I've got to stop driving to Alaska. And I don't know that I like my job if I can't go to Alaska I don't know that I like my job. I don't Driving in L.A., driving in Atlanta, Georgia, it's not really that fun. I don't like the people at the truck stops. You know, up here, you meet fellow truck drivers, and they're guys just like me. Kind of loners, kind of lone wolf, but they're, you know, it's a respectable living. Places in the United States, it is riffraff. Not loud, lots, lots, like I've sort of learned that, that if I was prejudiced against any group, it's loud people. It's loud people. People who always yell. That's, I don't like that. So there's a shitload of that in the United States. And not so much in Canada where they're still courteous and they have manners. So, okay, so that's my random thoughts on that and I appreciate you indulging me. Here's the mountain climbing story. I'm working in Yellowstone during the summer ninety 91 can't remember exactly the year I think it's 91 1991 working in Yellowstone and there's a peak I believe it's called electric peak and it's kind of a good one to climb of, for someone of my skill set so you don't need ropes and stuff but but it's still kind of extreme and the deal is they have they have these designated campsites, this is the way it used to work at least. you know, my information's thirty years old designated campsites. so you can't just go in and set up a tent a- anywhere. You need, there's, there's only certain places that they have marked. And the deal is you would they, there was three campsites that you need, you needed one of those three to be able to climb the peak, so you would hike in. Set up camp, sleep, and the next day you could climb the peak all the way up, and then make it back to base camp in one day, which was 20 miles. I mean, 20. So, so anyone who's heights, 20 miles of of vertical stuff is a long, hard day, but still, that was that was sort of the plan. And these campsites, you, you can't reserve ahead of time. And they open and close these things based on bears. And all summer, we were trying to get to this campsite, one of these three specific locations, so that we could climb this peak. Me and Alex Sagato, who I mentioned recently, who I've lost touch with, and, uh, and there was another guy, I think his name was Fred, that's all I remember about him. So there's three of us. Well, me and Alec were doing it, and this other guy kind of tagged along. So what would happen is these campsites would open, and we would think, oh yeah, we're going to be able to do it. And then every time they tried to reopen one, a bear would show up in the campsite, and they would have to close it again. So finally, they tried opening it again, and we're like, own it. And so, you know, there's a little bit of concern. Because you know, every time they've opened this camp before, a bear's been there. And naturally, being 20 years old, whiskey had to be involved. So I'm sure today, if I was going, I would not bring an extra ounce of weight for my poor back. But at 20 years old, we were whiskeyed up pretty heavily. Not the smartest thing to, to be prepared for a 20-mile hike and, and be in a dangerous circumstance and and have to bring whiskey. But that's the way 20-year-olds are, and I was on the dumb end of the average 20-year-old. So we go in and we set up camp, and I remember I burned, so my down jacket and ember hit my down jacket and burned part of it. And all these backpackers had said, buy down. Well, over the years, that was my second down jacket, and it doesn't do any good to hike it into the woods and then get, have an ember burn it and all the feathers fall out so i gotta tell any of you aspiring backpackers i know that these puffer jackets are light and convenient but they're not tough they don't deal with embers well and um, this is one of the reasons why you see me wearing tougher materials nowadays anyway i digress but i distinctly remember one part of my body being cold because my jacket had had a hole had burned in it and the feathers came out. So we're trying, we're sitting there and we're and I am telling these two guys so we're around the campfire at night and we're nervous. Waiting on the bear. Waiting on the bear. Hey guys, it's you know me, Mr. Angel. It's really important. We put our stuff in a sack and we hang it up and we don't have any. And, of course, after we're in a whiskey, you know, trying to tell a 20-year-old, trying to tell two other 20-year-olds to hang their toothpaste in a tree after they're in the whiskey, you can imagine how that went. So I'm nervous. I'm waiting for Mr. Grizzly to come pay us a visit. But I'm standing up and I'm telling these guys some... I don't even remember the story I was telling. I was embellishing with some entertaining story around the campfire. And they're sitting, I'm standing. And I hear this on my shoulder. And I turn around. And I am nose to nose with a bat. And bats are fucking ugly. You can say whatever you want about them being good creatures and they eat bugs and all that. When you're nose to nose with a bat, those sons of bitches are ugly. And when I told you that I was going to regale you with its tail of my manliness i lied because when i saw that bat i shrieked like a little girl i shrieked i i'm sure the coyotes were howling at the at the <laughs> And I'm sure people were wondering what <laughs> miles away. Were well, wondering. I wish that seven-year-old girl would be quiet, because I shrieked like a girl. I jumped up in the air. I. It was a complete come loose, complete meltdown. My poise under pressure, not existent. So I recently posted uh, posted on my Instagram a picture of me swatting a mosquito or I don't know what bug it was. And it looks like I jumped back in fear. And really it was just my backswing. I, I'd, I'm not embarrassed by the, you know, the bug didn't scare me. I was just wanted it to get away from my coffee. But the bat scared the bejesus out of me, and now I've shared that story for all the world to hear. The last topic of the day are man purses. I'm in a quandary. I'm in a quandary. So, when I was divorced, which I guess we're we're pushing 10 years now, Facebook, I never can remember the date of my divorce, I mean, but Facebook has, you know, these memories, and the memories that are coming up for 10 years ago, I remember, uh, I, you know, it kind of prompts memories of what else was going on in my life during that time, so, so... We're getting close to 10 years anyway of at least of the separation. And my kids were, of course, younger when, obviously 10 years younger, when um, we divorced. And I remember we would go out and do stuff. And so all my life I'd had a wife. I mean, I was married relatively young. I, I mean... Like, this is the longest I've been my entire life without having a girlfriend. I, I guess I'm one of those people who's always dated, and it's kind of not all bad, to be honest, but um, it's kind of interesting. But most of my life, I've dated someone. So when we're at the mall, or we're going on a hike, or whatever, going to the zoo, whatever the case is, somebody was there with their purse, and mamas with their purse, man, they, they those things are like magic hats. They, they There's room for all kinds of stuff in those purses. So now that so everybody in the family hands mama their stuff to carry around in her purse, their accoutrements, and so after my separation when I started taking the kids to do things myself, I didn't have enough pockets. Here, Dad, hold the Game Boy. Here, Dad, hold the, you know, whatever. And so I was experimenting for years with vest with lots of pockets. And my daughter hated it. The, the you know, the photographer vest, Crocs, digital watch, it's a miracle I ever got a date, I guess. But I mean at some point you got to be practical and I needed the pockets for all the stuff I was having to carry cuz nobody was around with a purse. So the vest thing just it has ne- that's never stuck. I've tried to use a vest. I've tr- I've bought multiple vests. I've tried to get some that aren't geeky and the vest thing has never stuck and I I don't have children young children anymore but I have more accessories that I have to carry with me I have to have reading glasses now and it's just like seems like there's always stuff and so I'm thinking about getting a man purse I and I keep thinking about uh, about the scene in The Hangover (laughs) where the guy's talking about his satchel. You're not bringing that satchel, and uh, so (laughs) he says, "Well, Indiana Jones had a satchel." So I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling. I got a lot of friends. They carry around their man purses. It's called a field bag. And the man purses, I've gotten used to them. They don't look, they don't look effeminate. But, I mean, also, you're talking about a guy when he swats a bug, apparently looks effeminate. Apparently, apparently I have some more effeminate uh, body language than I ever realized I had before. And I'm sure it would send me into some kind of... um, some kind of identity crisis as a younger man, but I'm 50. I don't give a, f- you know, <laughs> I can deal with that. It is what it is. Uh, the man purse, though. So here's my question to the audience. Man purse or geek vest? Really, that's 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 the alternative. See, the man purse or the geek vest? There are times, like, I go on these hikes where I need... Uh, Yeah, I just need, like, if I want to bring my camera with me, I mean, it's in a water bottle and sunscreen and bug spray. I either need a geek vest or I need a a man purse. That's just the way it is. Wearing the backpack. uh, Up here, I carry bear spray a lot. Wearing the backpack is not practical to take the backpack off to get to it every time you need to apply sunscreen or, or... Get your reading glasses out. So looking for... It's just a a quandary I'm at. Whether I'm going to be one of those guys... Am I going to be one of those guys who walks around with a purse? I know some guys who are tough and big and strong... And they could carry around Louis Vuitton purse and nobody's going to think anything or if they think it, they're going to be quiet about it. I'm not one of those guys. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) I don't know that I'm confident enough to get away with it. So uh, feedback on that is appreciated. Y'all be good. Wish me luck surviving the scorcher heat. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant living out of a truck in scorcher heat. Okay, bye.